0: Sunday, and um, it's the day. It's the day that we celebrate uh, Pentecost, and um, it's 50 days after the resurrection. Uh, you know, which and Jesus, when he resurrected for 40 days, he he went around, and I love Jesus. He went to uh, people that were struggling. Mary Magdalene, and he talked to her, and he went to. Thomas, who was doubting, and he met him right where he's at, and he he didn't give him a big old theological lesson. He just said, "Here's here's my wounds, Thomas. I, you're doubting here." This is me, and then he went to to Peter who who had messed up greatly, and went and and what I love about Jesus is he reinstates us. Sometimes we get messed up, but but the Lord is always pursuing us. Jesus could have resurrected and ascended into heaven, but for forty days he went around and encouraged and he and he edified and he lifted people up. Come on, how many know that God is after you still? You may have messed up greatly, but God is, is, is after you. And so uh, I want to just do that. But, but after that, after he ascended into uh, heaven, he, he told his disciples that he was going away and that he was going to send a comforter. uh, um, And, and he said, it's good that I actually uh, go away because uh, you know what, it's, it, when I go and, and they were struggling, the, the disciples were struggling for because for three and a half years, they sat under Jesus ministry. He was the authority. He spoke to them. He corrected them, they got used to that. Come on, somebody! But Jesus said, "It's even, it's even better that we go away." And so, uh, Jesus, He promised that He would send the Holy Spirit, and, and and I felt the need to speak on the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to do this over the next couple of weeks. And some of you may be triggered when I say Holy Spirit. Some of you may say uh, King James Version Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody! Some of my old people know what I'm talking about. Holy Ghost. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that verbiage. If you have a King James Version, it says uh, Holy Ghost. But, uh, you know, some of you may have come from different backgrounds. But I want to do some, over the next few weeks, just some teaching uh, on the Holy Spirit that I think will help you, will edify you, and, and give you some comfort in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit... Is the third person uh, of the Trinity? Yes, you heard that right. Person, person of the Trinity. You say, well, why is he a person if he's a spirit? Well, we have to understand something about uh, the Holy Spirit. Is this? He is. He has characteristics of a person. He has ministry. He can speak to us. We can speak to him. He. Can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And, and so we have to understand uh, his role. And oftentimes, this happens in churches, they don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit. They want to put the Holy Spirit in the corner and keep him over there because it's uncomfortable to talk about. Come on, somebody. But I want to tell you here at this church, listen, we preach the Bible. Even if it's uncomfortable, we preach the Bible because it's everlasting. And so we don't just try to to uh, put things under the rug, but we embrace, all right? We embrace that. So the Holy Spirit. Um, It uh, is the, you may hear it in scripture, uh, him uh, referred to as the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, or the counselor, or the comforter. How many have heard those names before? Amen. And um, the word comforter means this in the Greek. Paraclete, it's almost like a pair of cleats, but minus the S, paraclete, and that's that Greek word, and that means to a, 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 a counselor, and somebody that is right there with you, and I don't know what your view of the Holy Spirit is, but Jesus said, I am going to send you a comforter, he didn't say, I'm going to send you a weirderer, a comforter, something that will give you peace in your heart, that will lead you and guide you, and so if you have your Bibles, you can go to John chapter sixteen uh, verse thirteen and i 'll give you a little preface here. Jesus told his disciples that when he went away, that he would not leave them as orphans, but that he would send them a comforter. So can you put yourself in the disciples shoes for a minute? You followed Jesus, you gave up everything you have. And, and all he's talking about the whole time is, when I go away, when I die. I, I don't know. If I was a disciple, I'd be like, will you stop talking about going away? Because we, we need you here, right? But, he's, but Jesus is setting a tone there. And he's telling them, hey, this is important. And the role, listen to me, the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, listen to me, if you don't get anything else out of this. The role of the Holy Spirit in our life is to point us to be like Jesus. That's it, plain and simple. He 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 he, he looks at things. I, I'll read this scripture. I'm all over my notes, but that's okay. I'm just following the Lord. John chapter sixteen, verse verse thirteen. It says this: um, When the Spirit of truth comes, Spirit of truth, talk about the Spirit of God. He will guide you into all what. And he will not speak of his own authority or he'll speak on behalf of Jesus. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you these things that are to come. And and that's a beautiful bit of scripture. We're going to be leaning into that scripture over the next couple of weeks. So um, the role of the Holy Spirit... Uh, would be to work within us. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come down on upon men, mighty men. How many of know Samson? Uh, the Holy Spirit would come down on Samson, and Samson would do great works. And then after those great works, the Holy Spirit would come. And it, it's interesting. So we find that in Scripture. People like David would come down. God would use David mightily, and then the Holy Spirit would, would go back up. And so it, it's interesting. And so uh, we, we in Joel chapter 2... The the prophet Joel, he prophesied that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And we'll say all. All in the Hebrew means all. Everyone, all flesh, all right and Jewish generations they would wait to see this prophecy and they'd say you know is this the day that that the holy spirit is going to come and dwell with us is this the day you know and the parents would be like oh it may be johnny just hang in there you know i don't know it could be right but we see in acts chapter 2 the day of pentecost come on somebody And it's interesting. So I saw something the other day, and I thought this was very interesting. And it said, when when, when I get to heaven, I want to ask David how how it was to kill Goliath. I want to ask Samson how it was to to kill the Philistines. And I want to ask Moses how it was to part the waters. And then it said this little thing right after it. It said this. And then they will ask us, how was it to live with the Holy Spirit in you all the time? And, and the role of the Holy Spirit in us is to direct us and to help us overcome things in our life. It's interesting. I'll just give you real fast three places. I got a little bit of a uh, – I'm setting this up. Listen, and I won't go over this uh, next week as much as in great detail. But three places in the New Testament we see the Holy Spirit really fast before the day of Pentecost. Number one, uh, when, when, when uh, the angel comes to Mary. And Jesus' conception. I mean, and, and so we see the Holy Spirit there. Here's the here's the next thing. When Jesus is baptized, I remember that story. He goes to John the Baptist, and there he is. And 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 John's like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And matter of fact, he tells them, he says, I baptize people with water, but this guy right here, he's gonna baptize you with fire. He's the forerunner. John the Baptist is the forerunner for Jesus, and he's beginning to tell those things. But when Jesus is baptized, come on, the heavens open up and and, and the dove comes down, it sits on Jesus. Jesus, come on, somebody, right? And the, and the, God the Father says, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out to the wilderness, and there, uh, there he goes out, and he goes on a fast, and there he is tempted. But the next thing that we see the Holy Spirit, is on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, right? And some denominations would rather just not talk about Acts chapter 2 at all. Let's just skip over Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and just, we'll just go on to those things. But I want to tell you today that we live in a time, uh, and listen, the modern church, the church of who we are, it started on Acts chapter 2, and that's where things changed. When the Holy Spirit showed up, things began to change, Amen. Amen. And so when Jesus said, hey, it's important that I go away, you know why? Because he is establishing his church here on earth. The first place that we see the uh, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So that... Uh, listen, listen, the Holy Spirit is right there at, from the very beginning, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, Holy Spirit's mentioned. He's hovering over the waters. Now, I, I want to help you out here. The, the, that verse says that the earth was without form or void. The Hebrew word there is the earth was chaotic is, is really what it means. But let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit began to hover over the earth, it brought order out of disorder. Come on. So let me help you out with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in order and not out of disorder. All right, some of you have come from Pentecostal backgrounds and may have have have, have a skewed view. Listen. Uh, if you were raised in certain denominations, certain men, on the flip side of people who don't want to talk about it, there's the flip side, the wild side. And maybe maybe you get a little PTSD when you think about a church, right? And, you, you, you know, people are praying for you and pushing you down up front. And, you, you know, come on, somebody. Somebody, you know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit works in order. God is a God of order, not disorder. You need to understand that about the Holy Spirit, and so uh, if you come from a background, and maybe you're, maybe right now, some of you may be tense in your, are your, going. Oh, what is this pastor going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit? Some of you are right now are in your heart going. oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. Right? What's going to happen? But here at our church, here at Quarterstone, there's some doctrinal stances that I want to help you out with that we stand on. That we And there are two distinct works of the Holy Spirit. I want to help you out here. I'm, I'm almost done laying this foundation. Number one is this, the regeneration or the rebirth. The, the role of the Holy Spirit is regeneration. Um, another way to say that is rebirth. You remember Jesus, he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you be what? Born again. Right? You, you, you have to change the way that you are and after, after Christ's work saves us, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us. The same spirit that raised God from the dead, raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you when you become a believer. It is inside of you like, come on, somebody, and, 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 and it helps us walk out this journey. Amen. That's, uh, man, that's, that's better. Good preaching, pastor. me down, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, the old things are passed away, and behold, the new have come, we got to lay the old man down, but look at this, 1 Corinthians 16, or 6.11 says this, as much Uh, Were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, come on, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, sanctification working within you. You were justified, just as if you had never sinned, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the what? The Spirit of God. Woo! So he is working in us, he is helping us walk this thing out. Out And the Holy Spirit is an important work in the believer's life. Amen. And and listen, you will overcome. Some of you may be dealing with peddly sins and things that you're struggling with. The Holy Spirit will break those bondages on your life if you will let him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on. So the second thing, uh, that doctrinal stance that, that we stand on here is that he empowers us, and, and this is different than when, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but the difference here is this empowering or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's why John the Baptist said, hey, I baptize in water, and then he says, the one that's coming after me, he's going to baptize you in fire. Now, there, there's a difference there. There's a change, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is received subsequent to the new birth, okay? Once we're changed, we, we pray for these gifts, we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for those who seek them. And listen, we believe that the Holy Spirit gives those out according to the, His will. Amen? And you ought to pray for those things. We, we believe that those things should be used. Uh, speaking in tongues. And, 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 and some of you say, oh my goodness, I don't know if I want to talk about speaking in tongues. Well, you ought not read the Bible because the New Testament's written by men who spoke in tongues. All right, yeah. You just got some things you just got to accept. You got to work through. It. You got to you got to dig into. It. And some of you may be getting triggered right now in your seat. I don't know, but we believe, and and we believe in the working of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in decency and in order. Come on, a God of order, tongues, prophecy, healing. But Jesus says in Acts chapter one that one of the main purposes of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power to be witnesses. And there's the proof. I believe there's the proof in the pudding. When, you, when you're, man, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll give you a boldness to go out and speak to people that you didn't think you would. You might be an introvert in your heart. You know, the Holy Spirit don't care if you're introvert, extrovert. He'll turn you into what he needs you to be. Come on, somebody, right? And, and, and I, can't, I can't understand why some groups want to dismiss or never talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and we need to understand that today. So the Holy Spirit is referenced around a hundred times in the Old Testament. Oh Amen. That's that's a good amount. But in the New Testament, He's referenced two hundred and sixty-one times. You know what that tells me? That that. I mean, The Holy Spirit is important in a believer's life to help you walk this thing out. That's what that tells me. And I want to remind you that God has called you and God has a purpose for you. And he's called the comforter and not the stranger or the weirder or, 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 you know, weirdo or whatever you want to call it. But He's the comforter. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point us and to others to Jesus Christ. I heard a pastor say this. I thought it was worth repeating. He said, Jesus is interceding for us in heaven at the right hand of the Father. It's what, it's what Scripture tells us. And then he said this, and the Holy Spirit is interceding for us here on earth. While, while Jesus is interceding to God the Father for us in heaven, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Jesus wants you to do this. Jesus wants you to do this. And Jesus is helping us walk this thing out through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so my hope over the next few weeks is to give you a biblical stance of who the Holy Spirit is. And today I want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit as a comforter and, 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 and convictor in our lives. All right. So everyone say comfort and conviction. And I've titled this series "The Comforter" because that's what the Holy Spirit is. John chapter sixteen verses seven through twelve. I know that was a long intro, but I needed to. I needed to lay a little bit of a foundation. I promise. I promise. I won't be long. Too long today. If you who will give me five minutes, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty. Okay, I'm joking. I, all right. All right. Let, we can do this in the name of Jesus. All right. John sixteen verse seven through twelve says, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And Jesus cannot lie. He tells the truth." It is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. The helper, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Amen. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Woo! He will convict the world concerning sin and un, and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Ten, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler uh, of this world uh, is judged. So I, I want to talk to you on this. Here's point number one right here. Number one, number one. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict. All right, I don't know when conviction and repentance became dirty words, right, in the church. Why did they become, why, when we feel the conviction of the Holy, why do we we say, man, I felt convicted, do we feel bad about that conviction? Because conviction, conviction is a beautiful thing. It it is something that we need. So the first role here that the Holy Spirit is, is dealing with in conviction, okay, is sin. Everyone say sin. Right in the middle of sin is I. Romans 6.23, right, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? We, we've all failed. And, and and the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world concerning sin. And sin here means this, you know, you've heard this, to miss the mark. it's like It's like throwing a dart and the target's over here and I throw it over here. It's like totally missing the mark. And how many know that God wants to eradicate sin out of our lives? And anything that is not in agreement with God, he does not want in our lives. It's evil. It's something that's against God's nature and 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 something that we may not have repented of. The spirit of God will begin to convict you and to encourage you to walk away from that thing. I'll give you a good example right here. I was talking to my mom and my my dad. This is his testimony, but I'm going to give his testimony because he ain't here and he can't say no. But his family, they grew up playing country music, and they played in bars and and, and, and all over, all over the place and 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 honestly, that was how they made their living, and that was their, their priority was to go and do this, and that's, that's it. They didn't put a, a high priority on school and education. I mean, they just—it was just that's how they made their living, and they did a pretty good job doing that. But one day on Easter Sunday, my dad—he has—he has five brothers and a sister, and, and his mom and dad—they had this—I don't know—it's kind of like the Partridge Family. They all sang together, and they all—you know—they all played their role, and they all did different things. But one Sunday, Easter Sunday, 1970, my dad could tell you this story. I've heard this story a hundred times. They went to church. And in that service, they heard a message that day about the saving grace of God. And that day, all of them got saved except my dad because he was the, he's the second to the youngest. And his younger brother, they were such scoundrels and rotten people. His younger brother was cussing during church, so he had to take him outside while his younger brother was cussing. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm getting down to the real nitty-gritty here, right? and but but my dad that, that that night they went back to church and my dad gave his life to Christ and god transformed them come on somebody and they're, what they what they did, that's how they made their living, was playing music. And that's that's what they did. And that day they got saved. They set those things aside, and they turned. They repented from their sins, and they pivoted, and they turned towards God, and God began to do a great work in them. And some of you know my story in this house. Some of you know my my Skiles heritage. It can be a rotten one, and it can be a good one. I, I'm very honored to be a Skiles, but let me tell you something. We come from a checkered past, but how many know that God's great? Grace is sufficient, amen? Here's what I'll tell you. I've seen people say this, you know, if you give your life to the Lord, and, uh, if you do this, you have to dress this way, you have to act this way, you have to this, this big do's and notes. I, I think guardrails are great in life. I think they are. I think they keep you from going off the side of the mountain. But here's what I will tell you. It's not a formula. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit at work within you will start to just pull those things away from you. And where there was no conviction before, before you do it, the Holy Spirit will say, ah, 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 stop. You ought not do that. You ought not say that, right? Come on, somebody. And he begins to turn your heart. And, oh, and I said this last week, only God can take a stony heart and begin to soften that thing and begin to mend that thing and make that thing soft. Amen. I've seen it in my life. And this is what I know about sin. This is sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you wanted to pay, and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. But after Jesus' blood washes our sins, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he is chipping away at us. He is convicting. He is setting the captive free, how many are glad that the Holy Spirit is still at work in your life and is working the, working the things out of you, amen? Listen, you guys don't know my family like I do. And and, and and listen, I, I, God saved them dramatically. God blessed them dramatically. I am standing here today because God helped my family make a U-turn. Listen, all five of my dad's brothers, all of them, man, were in full-time ministry at one time, pastoring all the way from California all the way to Florida. So God can take a scoundrel, and God can turn them around. My grandparents were pastors of church. They made a 180, and God can change things. Amen. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Working within us. And if he'll do it for the Skiles, he'll do it for you. I promise you. I promise you. So the first thing is to convict us of sin. Here's this, uh, um, how many, how many. Uh, how do i know if my conviction if i have conviction and it's not condemnation you ever thought about that you know sometimes in your life you ever just feel bad because you've done something condemnation and it will make you beat yourself up and you'll you'll feel incapable and and your own power your condemnation is, is is i'm ashamed right i want no one to know uh, i don't want to go to church i don't want to pray uh, hanging out in a hole with your with your head down in a hole, right, you know, like the ostrich, you know, sticking your head down in the ground. But conviction of the Holy Spirit will always do this, will always point you to Jesus. And always say, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. And the Holy Spirit conviction drives us to God. Amen. All right. Here here here's what uh, I I want to talk to you here. So, here's the second one right here, righteousness and or or, or unrighteousness. I, I I I'll I'll clarify that. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. What do you mean, pastor? Uh, uh you hold a position that 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 Jesus does it. That's what I mean. Is this? You know, it may not be sin necessarily, but that that you have an attitude, or you you have something going on in your life that does not line up with what God said. It could be an attitude. How about this? Come on, I'm gonna get down where the rubber meets the road here a little bit. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Well, that hurt me. You hurt me. That church hurt me. That person hurt me. You don't know what my ex-wife did to me. You don't know what my ex-husband. You don't know that. I I don't know that. But some of you say, I'll never forgive them. And listen, that does not line up with the word of God. Come on. God's righteousness is up here. My righteousness is down a 100 feet, down in the dirt. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And what I think is good is is not really good. We talked about this. I, I talked a little bit about this on, on Wednesday night. That that when we get uh, when we're all together in millennial worship of Jesus, we're gonna we're gonna yell, you know, Jehovah Sitkanu, which means King of righteousness, God of righteousness. You are a God of righteousness. And Jesus gives us a perfect example of forgiving others. What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's hard to forgive someone that's sacrificing you and, and throwing you Here's another one I'll give you, right? But what about this? Don't get mad at me. Don't throw stuff at me. What about prejudice? What about prejudice? I, I don't like them or I, I hate that people group because they did this to me. That's what prejudice is. I, I, I'm mad at them. But God's righteousness, his, his goodness, his standard is God loves everybody. Amen. God loves everybody. I, he, he cares about you. You know, I saw something last night. I was showing my mom. I said, you know, if, 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 you know, when that person that you're arguing with, that you're frustrated with online, come on, somebody. Come on, some of you are battling back and forth. They're made in the same image of God that you are. Come on, somebody. So just bring yourself right back on down a little bit. Come on. Imagine if Jesus was prejudiced. What if Jesus said, I, I don't like the Romans. They crucified me. I don't like that group. We can't even fathom that. You know, Paul had every reason to be uh, uh, prejudiced towards certain groups because they tried to kill him and drive him out of town. But no, 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 no. He worked in love. And the Holy Spirit will work and he'll convict us and say, hey, that's not a right attitude. That does not line up with my righteousness. You know, Peter held a position in, in Scripture that didn't line up with the will of God. Matter of fact, he's like, Hey, Jesus, listen, I know you talk about dying. I know you talk about going away, but listen, as far as I'm concerned, buddy, you are the Messiah, and listen to me, you will not die. And what did Jesus? He looked at him and he said, Get behind me, Satan. That's what the scripture says. It says, he said, uh, he turned to him, he said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. You are holding position, Peter, that does not line up with the will of God. And you know what? The Holy Spirit comes in and he convicts and he changes us. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. And Peter, you have you have a wrong attitude. You have a wrong position. And Jesus fixed that position that didn't line up with what he was trying to accomplish, right? And so, too, the Holy Spirit will give us direction when we are not aligned in our heart with what Jesus is doing, with the will of the Father. Conviction from the Holy Spirit comes from some crazy places. Sometimes it comes from your spouse, right? Sometimes it comes from your brothers or your mom, your dad, I, I, you know, different people, your friends. Sometimes, come on, parents, it comes from your kids, right? Right? Whew. I'm glad Zaylee's not in here right now. She's teaching a class right now. But I remember one time when I got my very first iPad. I was a youth pastor, I was poor. I'm being honest, didn't have a lot of money. And I was able to save up and buy an iPad. Praise the Lord! And I got this iPad, and I literally had it for like a day. And my kids were excited about it. They were little, and they wanted to play on it, and I wanted to play on it. And I hadn't bought the case for it yet. Come on. How many know you you, you buy the case before you buy the iPad? Come on, somebody. And, and I had that thing, and I left it, and I was charging it in my room. And, and Zaylee went into my room, and she grabbed my iPad, and we had tile floor. Come on, somebody. And, and she took that little thing. She I don't know how old she was, maybe six, seven years old. And she took that thing. She was playing with it. And you know what? It slipped out of her hands and it fell on that on that floor, and it cracked the screen. I mean, I had that thing for like a day and and to make things worse, she realized she cracked it. You know what she did? She put it right on back up there where the charger was, and left it. So I go to get my iPad. Oh, what happened to my iPad? What in the world? So then I, oh, as a father, come on. I don't want you to act all holy at here. As a father, what did I do? <laughs> one of you guys broke my iPad. Little and Wyatt. Oh, Dad, Wyatt, not me, Dad, not me. And I said, which one of you got my iPad? And he said, I dropped it, Dad. It was me. And I, man, I, I look back at it now and I think, man, this is so, so silly. It's so crazy to get upset about, but I remember I, I got upset with her, and I, and I I, mean, I, I really laid into her, and I man, I've asked God to forgive me, and this is what happened. She felt so broken in her heart from that. She went into her room, and she had a piggy bank, and she took every bit of money out of her piggy bank. Come on, somebody, Holy Spirit, use your kids to talk to you right there, and she goes up to me, and she has it in her hand, she goes, here, Dad, I just want to help you fix your iPad, it was like, you know, $2.48, and I... I Listen, and I realized right then and there, the Holy Spirit said, "Hey, you got a bad attitude. You got the wrong attitude. This, this is this is temporal. This iPad's temporal. That girl is eternal. You're getting this thing mixed up." And He began to correct some things in me. Come on, somebody. He convicts us of our unrighteousness. Here's the here's the next one. He convicts us of His judgment, and He will convict the world concerning sin and and righteousness and judgment. So this is this has everything to do with justice. There are places. Uh, 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 there are prices to pay for what you are doing, right? The Bible says you will sow what you reap. Keep sowing, you will reap. I don't care what it is. That's, that is a kingdom principle. That is a biblical principle. Hey, if you sow in resentment, you're going to reap resentment. Come on, somebody. And if you sow in, 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 in competition in ministry, you're going to reap competition in ministry. Come on, I've learned that one the hard way. I'm competitive, you don't believe me, pull beside me on 37, I'll race you. My wife will say, why are you in a race, why are you in such a hurry? Well, they're ahead of me, that's why. Right? Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. But here's what the Holy Spirit told me, it's not competition in ministry, it's not, it's not about merit, it's not about what I get. Listen. Maybe, you, you know, you've, you've dealt with this. I've dealt with this in my life. But Maybe you're a know-it-all leader and you have all the answers. Listen, if you're a know-it-all, you'll reap that. It'll come back to you. And the Bible tells us there are two judgments coming. It's the judgment of the Father who will separate the sheep and the goats. Come on, somebody, those who believe and those who do not believe. And, but the second judgment of that is the judgment seat of Christ where Christ is going to judge his followers. He's going to look at our lives. He's going to understand that the Holy Spirit is leading me every day in ministry. And he's convicting me constantly. And I say, Holy Spirit, you got a lot of work to do on me. Help me out today. Help me to slow down on 37. Come on, somebody, right? He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And here's what I want to see for you. I want to see everyone in here walking free. Walking free from bondages of sin. Amen. Walking free from things that have held you up for a long time. And the Holy Spirit is, listen, can, can do that. I cannot do that on my own. And these altars are open. They're always open in our services and our experiences. But, uh, but if you want to go deeper, let me tell you something. Tonight is prayer night at our church. You want to go deeper? You want to let some things go? Come tonight. We'll take some time and we'll pray with you. Man, we'll lay hands on you. We'll, we'll love on you. So, so, so here's, here's our response, real fast. Our response to the Holy Spirit, number one, right here. Ready? You can write these down if you're a note taker. Let him do his job. Here's the problem with us. We, we, we're okay with a little bit of it, but no, you can't do this in me. You can't change this in me. See, see we should ask the Holy Spirit daily. Convict us. Correct me. And, and like I said, conviction is not bad. It's not bad. See, you know, it, and here's what I'll tell you. It's not my job to convict you. Pastor's not up here convicting you. You know why you feel conviction? In the whole, uh, It's the Holy Spirit speaking through me to you. Some of you said, boy, Pastor, I've had people come to me. Pastor, you stepped on my toes today. No, I did not. The Holy Spirit did. I am not that good. I promise you. I don't run up to you and say, oh, you, 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 gotta did, you did this. No, 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 no. That's not my job. You did this. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? My job is, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to confront this person, I'll do that. But if if that's not, the Holy Spirit does 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 the work. Amen? Conviction. It's not a bad word. See, we see it in a negative light because when we think conviction, we think legal terms, right? When a criminal is convicted, that's not a good thing. So when we hear the word conviction, we automatically go, oh, that's bad. That means I'm a criminal. That means I'm bad. That means this thing. But the Holy Spirit, what that really means is he brings light or he exposes things in our lives to keep us from getting worse and worse and worse. Amen? Amen. He is the comforter who, who will convict. And he'll fix those things in your life. You know, some of you uh, go to the doctor and you'll let the doctor tell you, well, you need to go on this diet, Right? And you'll go home and change your diet, but you won't let the Holy Spirit speak into you. Say, hey, you need to let this thing go. Right? So, everyone say, Holy Spirit, you have permission to do your job reproving me in my life. Come on, say that. Say, Holy Spirit, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Say, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to convict and reprove me. Amen recognize, here's the second thing, recognize his conviction means that you belong to him. You know what? When I go to the restaurant and someone else's kids acting crazy, I don't get up and spank them. You know why? They're not mine. And it's illegal. Right? Come on. And I thought, man, that kid needs a spanking right now. Come on. You, know, you guys look all pious like you don't do the same thing. That my kid. But you know what? I don't spank people that aren't my kids. Thank goodness, right? I don't even think I could spank Wyatt anymore. Here's what I will tell you. If you feel conviction, you ought to feel confident that God loves you. That means he's still got hope for you. That means he's still working on you. Amen. Oh, when I played football, oh, my coaches, I, I never played football till my sophomore year, and my coaches were very patient with me, and they're like, hey, run this route, Skiles, and I was like, what's that route, tell me what that is, and the, and I would go out, and I'd run this route, and they'd be like, okay, we're going to help you out, man, when you get to this point, when you're running this route, I want you to lower your rear end, sink down, and pivot, and cut, or whatever the case, and they begin to work with me, and they begin to correct things in me, but this is interesting, when when I was uh, playing football against the other team, and a coach on the other team saw me making the very same mistakes, you know what he didn't do? Tell me what I was doing wrong. You know why? Because it was beneficial to his team. He's not my player. So if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you ought to, you ought to stand in confidence and say, God's not giving up on me yet. There's still hope for me. Amen? Amen. Come on, that means he loves you. John fourteen seventeen says this: Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, uh, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and, and and will be in you. That's that's what I know. The Holy Spirit's living within us. Here's the next one, right here: Embrace conviction with comfort. Embrace conviction with comfort. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Man, how many have ever been through rehab? Right? What do they do in rehab? Hey. We're going to make you do something that you don't want to do because you just had surgery. And guess what? We're going to make that knee bend again. Right? That's what they do. All right, I need you to, to move your knee. Ah, ah, ah! I can't move it anymore. Okay. All right. Let's, let's put it back in this position. I think you can go, you know, five more degrees. No, no, no. Ah, ah, ah! Right? And every good therapist, man, they'll lead you along and and they'll push you. And they'll give you comfort after the fact. Hey, you did a good job. This is what's best for you. The Holy Spirit does that for me. Hey, TJ, this is what's best for you. I'm like, God, I don't want to do that. But this is what's best for you. If you say so. (gasps) Right? Do it, Lord. He's not mad at you. Can I tell you that? He's not mad at you. He's got hope for you, and he loves you, and he, he and he cares about you. Every one of us have sinned. While we're saved, there's there's unrighteousness, and God is working through us. And, and you know what? The Holy He calls us saints, and even even in in things that we do, the the Lord still calls us saints. Amen. Man, what that's beautiful. That that's a great thing. If you had a good mom or dad growing up, and I did because my mom's in the house today. And if you got corrected when you were growing up, right, how many got corrected by your mom and dad? How many got upset at your mom and dad when they corrected you? Come on, somebody. Somebody be real. Mom, I've got my hand raised right now. And, and you know, if your mom and dad corrected you, there was a comfort in knowing that when they corrected you, even though that's, that was terrible, I knew my mom and dad were not going to kick me out of the house, and they were not going to abandon me. They were correcting me because they wanted me to be a good person. They wanted me to make a good decision. Come on, somebody, right? Here's here's, here's the last one right here. Is this. Repent. Everyone say repent. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Come on. Run up here. Fast. Repent. Listen to me. I, I believe there are two parts to repentance. I think there's the, the verbal response to repentance. I think the you know, um, you know, it, when when we say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I did that. I I made this mistake." And John the Baptist preached that 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 with that verbal, also with that verbal thing, there should be fruit to our repentance. Come on, there should be a one hundred and eighty. I'm going to repent, and now I'm going to turn away from that thing. I'm going to not do the same thing. You know, uh, one of the things me and Tristan learned in our marriage is this: when we say, "I'm sorry," you know what we are sh- really should be saying is. I am going to do my dead level best not to do that thing again. That's so what that means. I'll give you a good example of this in repentance right here. Zacchaeus, a wee little man. A wee little man was he, right? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord to see, right? Zacchaeus, come on down, right? He meets Zacchaeus right where he's at, and he's a great example. He was a tax collector. He was crooked. He made money off of other people's money. He could have worked in Washington, D.C. I'm being real. I'm being real. He traded his stock knowing that things would happen. Come on, somebody. All right, I'll just leave that alone right there. And in in the conviction of the goodness of God, Jesus met with him. This is what Lazarus does. He confesses. Hey, I've, I've made some mistakes and I've wronged some people. And he says, You know what? All this wealth I've acquired, it doesn't matter. I'm going to repay people what I owe them. People I've wronged, I'm going to make right. Oh, Pastor, I don't like that one. Me neither. That's hard. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. It begins to work on us and things that we have made wrong have to make right. You know, when I was a youth pastor in the youth ministry, you know, kids would come down to the altar, and they'd cry, and they'd feel bad. What they did is just felt bad for what they were done, and I I would give them counsel and be like, what did you do? Well, I I stole money from my mom, and and this and that, and I'm like, okay, now you're repenting from it, now you need to go tell her that you're sorry. Oh, I want to do that, Pastor G.J., you need to do that. You need to make things right. You need to make things right within your heart. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit does this. It, it convicts us with kindness. The scripture tells us that it's the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance. That's what it says. Now, the role of the Holy Spirit, this is amazing to me. I, I, simple. I'm done. Look at that. Is this. As a matter of fact, I left this whole portion of my notes blank. And Tristan came up to me. She said... Did you finish your sermon because this is not right? And I said, I I, I did. I finished it. But after the Holy Spirit convicts us and after he deals with us, this is what he does. He comforts us. There's a better way. Listen, I know you're struggling. I know this may be hard. But when you make this thing right, I'm going to walk right there beside you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to help you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed in this house. If you're here right now and you say, hey, pastor, I hear you loud and clear. Maybe you're here. Or you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart, right where you're at. And that conviction, that knot in your stomach, says, "Hey, I, I've got some things I need to change. I've got some attitudes I need to adjust." Maybe, maybe it's sin. Maybe you need to make a one eighty and you need to make a pivot and you need to get away from that sin. The Holy Spirit will draw you to that. Here's here's the here's the next thing. Maybe it's maybe it's unrighteousness in your life. Maybe you hold a hold a, a, a an attitude in your life that doesn't line up with the will of God. And you, you need to make that right. Maybe you're like Peter. And you're saying, Lord, I, I, you're never going to die. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. There's a bigger plan here. You understand this. God's got a bigger plan. Maybe you need to readjust that. If you're here under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need to repent. I need to repent of some things in my life. I, I need to lay some things down at the altar. This is what I want to do. No heads, no, no one looking around this house, if that's you, and the Holy Spirit's calling you to repentance, I want to do something a little different today, I, I just want to open up the altars, just just come, no one's looking around right now, you can come down here, we'll pray with you, we'll pray with you, I'm going to ask the prayer team, come down, come down, I, I, I need prayer warriors to come down right now, come on, come on, come on, and just come on, help me out, come on, as quick as you can, get down here, listen, if you're here, if you're here, you say, hey pastor, that's me. I need I need repentance. And and maybe you're a believer, and maybe you just you need to get some things right. And you say, hey, that's me, Pastor. Come, come, come on, come, 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 come on, come, come on. Anybody, anybody in this house? I'm gonna give you in the balcony. Come on, come. This moment. Don't miss your moment today. Listen, the Holy Spirit's in this house. He's working, He's been working in this house. He's He's speaking to you right now, right where you're at. He said, come, come on.